Hello guys, welcome to another episode of When Football Met Soccer, where we talk about all things football, on the pitch, off the pitch, here with another solo episode. I promise Hamza will be back very, very soon, so hopefully y'all are not too bored of me yet. Aye, 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 what a sad weekend it is to be a City fan. We are a little bit spoiled, I have to admit that, we're used to winning all the time, we're used to kicking ass, we're used to scoring goals, and when we don't do that, it feels like the end of the world. Something about this one feels a bit different though. I've said it many times and I'll say it again, winning the treble really takes something out of you. You can't go on a run like that, that city did, that we did last year, and still be able to compete at a very, very high level physically and mentally, the title the season after. The reason United was able to win the league the season after they won the treble, there are many reasons for it, obviously. The league is not what it used to be. Uh, It was a lot easier. Competition was not as intense uh, as it is now. And so if there are so many teams that are challenging for the title, which it seems like there are, this year, any slight drop-off is going to be pretty obvious and is going to lose City the edge that they would have had if it were the 90s. But I have to say, I actually wasn't quite expecting this performance against Palace. Uh, when I meant When I say this performance, I just mean the latter half when they conceded two goals. Um, it is a bottle job. This is, this is really the definition of a bottle job. You dominate possession. You dominate creating the chances just to concede a goal at the 76th minute and a penalty at the very, very end in injury time. If City had a toxic trait, it would be this, to give up late leads. As an opposing team going forwards, if you are down 2-0 against City with 15, 20 minutes to go... There's no panic. There's no worry. There's still a huge chance you could at least tie. One win out of the last six Premier League games for a team like City, I'm sorry. It's really not good enough. And especially when we compare it to the performance that we're used to seeing, right? And no matter how many times I see the argument, well, they're going to put together a run after Christmas. They always start off a little bumpy. Mm-mm, I'm sorry, not this bumpy. I think they are sitting at the lowest vote tally, uh, point tally, after 16 games or so in the last 10 seasons, something like that. Yes, currently after this weekend, uh, I think every team has played 17 games. They should just write the season off in the Premier League. I do not think that it's a good look. Uh, to keep leading and dominating and then just either drop two points or three points. Uh, At this rate, I even think top four is a little shaky. It really is. Looking at the current form that these other teams are at, Villa, Liverpool, Arsenal, even Tottenham. uh, You know, Chelsea is starting to win games. So, you know... It, it nothing is guaranteed the competition is fierce there has been a record track record for city they won 82 straight, straight matches when leading by two or more goals at any point a streak which they broke during this game against palace 
I just think that this season, a clean sheet is just, it's just out, it's out of question. I don't think that they can keep a clean sheet for their lives. The last time we kept one was in October 29th against United. This makes me feel like it's a defensive problem, but also a mentality problem, right? So XG on average has been very high this season, but at the same time, losing, tying games, conceding so many goals, we have Walker, Diaz, Ake not performing well, which to me is very surprising because these three players have a lot of experience, especially Walker and Diaz, and they have the ability. It's just something is not clicking. There's a huge drop-off, and Guardiola is young and still adapting, and there are certain injuries, but in terms of that back four, back three, they are players, especially Diaz. It's really sad. I've always so admired him and loved him as a player. I still do. But this season, very uncharacteristic. Some people say, you know, Walker shouldn't be starting anymore. He shouldn't be captain every single game. I don't fully agree. It does seem weird that he was not starting games last season where we won the treble. But, you know, they had that famous dinner, Pep and Kyle Walker, where he tried to convince him to stay because he was all ready to go. Uh, He agreed to stay. And then suddenly he's starting every single game and captaining every single game because obviously De Bruyne is out. Stones was out for a while. So he's one of the consistent captains. So, yeah, I don't want to say Walker is the problem, but yeah, offensively, he doesn't add that much. And even defensively, he's gotten weaker because we always used to count on him to be able to go one-on-one, especially with players that are very fast, that have a lot of speed, that are very threatening. Uh, This season, I'm not so confident in him. And so, yeah, it makes me feel... So like I was saying, defense is a real problem and mentality is a real problem. So defensively, we see that there's a problem because it's scoring goals and getting leads but not able to hold on to them, right? The mentality to be able to hold on for the full 90 minutes, whether that's maintaining a lead or scoring goals to try to get a lead, seems harder, right? Because that takes a lot out of you to stay in the game, to be consistent, to keep trying hard, to keep pushing. And yet what I see, I wouldn't call it complacency. That word gets thrown around a lot. I think there's a degree of fatigue. And despite our best efforts, not able to pull it out of that deep, deep place inside of you to be able to hold on. That strength, that mental strength, it really takes it out of you, right? And yeah, we can say that there's amazing pro athletes, whether in football or or out in other sports, right, who do it over and over again. Those are few and far between. And those are individual sports where you're not playing 90 minutes once, twice, three times a week for like 10 months out of the year. I don't, there's no other sport that consistently uh, demands that much playtime out of players, at least not most competitive sports that a lot of people are very, very interested in watching and has a huge audience, et cetera, right? Like if we think about basketball, if we think about American football, right? It's like once a week and the season is not pretty much the whole year. And that 
and and also on top of that having won the treble yeah i don't know i'm really surprised that rodri just hasn't collapsed i swear and and honestly he's not even the problem rodri there is mentally you can tell besides the parts where he's probably lost his head a little bit and lost his cool and keeps getting booked so you know maybe there is a problem but in terms of the grit he still has it but in some of the other players I'm not sure. And the squad just isn't what it used to be, right? The squad depth isn't really there. People criticize Pep for never really making a lot of subs, but what substitutes can he make? On the bench, I don't see that many great options. We have De Bruyne out. So, you know, Doku has been injured a bit. So those two attacking threats, they're not there. Uh, Holland not being at this game honestly isn't even the problem. Alvarez has a bit of a drop-off, but you can still rely on him to score goals. This huge exodus of players over the last year or so that have left, you know, Gondogan, Cancelo, Mahrez, Zinchenko, Sterling, you know, just to name a few. These are players with real experience and can make a real difference. Even if they don't start, if you sub them on on a pitch, there is something to be said about they can change the direction of the game. Now I really don't see, I don't blame Pep for not making any substitutions because what substitutions can he make? Even he seems frustrated, right? After the game, he said, you know, we were the better team, which City were the better team, obviously, to anyone who could see. It seems like cruise control. It seems like you were controlling the game. Everything was fine. Usually, I still don't feel comfortable with a 2-0 need, but this time I was like, you know what? Against Palace, didn't seem like Palace, Palace was putting anything together, and I think we have it in the bag. Oh, no, no, no. You drop the ball, and then Foden gives a stupid penalty away at the end. So yeah, maybe Pep is right. We deserve to give away those two points because you can't manage the game like that and still expect to win every single time. I don't want to sit here and talk about all the reasons why I know what's going on. I'm going to stick by what I said. I think it's a mentality thing. Defense is a huge problem, uh, and that's partially on Pep. Uh, He's not trying to control games as he used to by keeping possession. So City loses the ball a lot. You know, in in this game, for example, you know, that led to the first Palace goal, right? Foden loses the ball, Palace then loses it again, just goes back and forth until ultimately they strike. So I genuinely think it's a problem for City. They're working out some kinks. I don't know how long Pep is going to stay. And so maybe these kinks are just going to remain for a really long time until perhaps they can put together something that is solid, strong, um, and consistent mentally and physically, right? To give, to, to give out performances week in, week out, uh, and not just keep tying, keep losing control of the game, keep conceding goals. Because for a top flight team, it's not good enough. I should have high expectations for City, given the Palmares that they had over the past five years under Pep. It is not ridiculous to have high expectations from this team. And I feel confident in saying that, which is why it's so frustrating and painful to watch them go through whatever they're going through right now. Uh, the, the, the you know bright side of this game was that Grealish was able to score in three back-to-back games, even though the three points weren't taken from this game. 
Uh, Rico Lewis scores his first Premier League goal, which I'm really happy uh, for him about. Um, So he really deserves it. Great kid. Uh, A lot of potential in this player. I guess Ederson was very lucky not to get a red card when he took out Mateta. Uh, I I don't think it would have been very harsh if he did. So he was extremely lucky. His decision making in in that moment was slightly questionable. Yeah, as I said, uh, very disheartening. I... I already said it last week that I don't see them challenging for the title. The other teams are too strong. And that run that everyone, all the pundits are expecting City to put together, where they just keep winning game after game after game after game, even if that comes, you know, consecutive, consecutive games, that City will just keep picking up three points every single week, week in, week out. The other teams are going to do it. Arsenal's going to do it as well. Liverpool's going to do it as well. What's to say that those other teams are not stringing together the same wins uh, as City are, will be? So, and that is not even guaranteed, right? It's not guaranteed that they'd be able to string those wins together. So, I'm not very bullish on that. I think the goal should be to make sure that we get top four. That's what's most important obviously have high expectations, try to win every single game, but I don't see it happening, taking us to number one, which at the end of the day, what some people struggle with is that they want to break the record of four back-to-back wins of the Premier League, right? To me, that's not so important. The experience of winning the treble was so special. I don't really think that it's going to be the cherry on top of the cake if it's four beats, right? In that regard, we're getting a little greedy, I have to say. But top four needs to be insured. It would be a big drop-off to play in the Europa League after the season that we have had last year. So insure top four, and that would be a very good result to me and winning maybe one or two other cups outside of it. That's what my expectations are because the mentality is gone in this team, I don't think the grit is there anymore and the squad isn't what it used to be and it will take time to build it back up again. And because Pep's future and even all the charges against City is a little uncertain right now, I don't know whether City's dominance is going to continue in the foreseeable future, which actually is it's, it's an okay thing. It's a good thing. Competition, this makes me sound like a terrible football fan. But competition is always a good thing because it pushes you and it pushes you to improve and pushes you to get better. So there's the fact that there's still a huge title race going on right now is a really, really good thing, I think. Anyway, switching gears, the biggest game of the weekend was Liverpool versus United that ended up with zero goals across the board. Ugh, yawn. Re- really yawn. Uh, boring game, uh, except maybe the last 10, 20 minutes or so on the Dallo red card. Oh God, we were all just like watching, waiting for something to happen, hoping that Liverpool was going to score a goal or something or United was going to get on the counter. Oh God, the end product was so lacking on both sides. But because of how good Liverpool are and the fact that they were top of the league, it was much more surprising about their lack of finishing quality in the six-yard box. They were very dominant, but... I just kept waiting for them to finish something off. 
Yeah, yada, yada. United are first team to stop Liverpool scoring this season. And they're the first team not to lose at Anfield this season. Blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry. As good as United was defensively, this is more due to the fact that Liverpool was just terrible in the final third. They had 34 shots versus six that United had with only 2.68 XG. That's not very good. That's, that, that's really inefficient. They have become the first team since... United versus Burnley in 2016 to have 34 more shots in a game and not score a single goal. That shows you how inefficient this team was in this game. The midfield was weak, was much weaker than usual. Salah was not at his usual level. Like Sabazlai, so many misplaced passes. He was selfish when he tried to score, especially I remember the one in the first half. Good thing he got subbed off. Nunes, Nunes made some really bad fouls and got away with it. And, and Liverpool in general was just quite sloppy. They couldn't put together things in the final third, and that really hurt them. And luckily for them, United was not good enough to take advantage of their sloppiness and, and be able to run something on the, on, uh, to make something happen on, on the counter. If it were West Ham or, you know, some other team that actually won 3 0 or Tottenham, they would have been punished, right? Because you can't have 34 shots and score zero goals. It just, it shouldn't happen, right? And as for United, they should be very happy with this result. You know, you held a, a mediocre Liverpool off with much less than mediocre players, right? You had a lot of injuries, a lot of, you know, Bruno wasn't there. Let's talk about that Dallow red card. I'm just going to beat a dead horse and repeat the fact that that red card really was bullshit, right? How is it that, uh, well, <laughs> the commentators were describing Michael Oliver, the, uh, the ref, as petulant, which is a good, this is a good word. Because from how I interpreted it is, was that he gave the throw in to Liverpool, which was incorrect. And Dello got upset about the throw in and so the ref gave him a yellow because he was upset about it and maybe it was yelling. And then he got a yellow for the descent against a yellow card, which got him two yellow cards. Hmm. Okay. Well, dude, this is one of the biggest rivalries in Premier League football or European football in general, period. Tensions are running high. Emotions are running high. These are football players who don't know how to control their emotions they're always angry. They're always yelling. They're always upset about something. They are dr huge drama queens. The biggest drama queens that you'll ever meet in your life, probably. And they're experts at this. So how could you, in a game like this, give two consecutive yellow cards for dissent? It makes zero sense. What you could have done, well, the more appropriate thing, is just give a yellow card and then talk to him privately, say, hey, you got, dude, you got to calm down, right? Because this was, this was really, really harsh. Even Jamie Carragher said it was harsh. So that really says everything you need to know. Um, on the, yeah, uh, other, other than that, United defense was pretty solid. Varane, Shaw, even Evans, they were the best players for United. Uh, McTominay had a couple okay passes in the second half, but honestly, in general, still passing is terrible. He gives possession away. Even Amrabat. Amrabat had an okay game. He was very shaky in that first half, quite nervy. 
Uh, even with Liverpool's subpar midfield today, he didn't perform that well. He is good defensively and good at intercepting the ball, but he really needs to work on his passing. I will give him a pass because he is not as creative as other top defensive midfielders, but they are things that he can work on. That's for sure. Mino was the best out of those three midfielders. So they seem to manage okay without Bruno in terms of keeping a clean sheet, right? Because Bruno didn't do much defensively, but you know, maybe they would have had more chances on goal if Bruno was playing and had and was on it, right? Because there have been games recently where Bruno was did not have it turned on and he just crumbles. The problem is with all these terrible passing in midfield, if you're not the team that's going to dominate possession, you can't afford to do this. You have to be able to make accurate, effective, productive passes if you're going to get the ball only 20-30% of the time. Take advantage of every minute, every second that you're on the ball, which is not what United did. So ultimately, the biggest chance that they had, which was probably the biggest chance of the game, was what Hoyland missed at around the 66th minute. And I, that honestly was probably better than most chances Liverpool ever even had. But Hoyland, I, sorry, United fans, I don't see it. I don't see the talent. I don't see the potential. Maybe it's there, and I'm just, I'm a bit blind and a bit biased. But sorry, I don't see it. The front three were useless, as always. Garnacho, McTominay, Anthony, all that... They just didn't give Hoyland any service. So it's even it's not even on him per se, but Hoyland and Anthony have now made 13 appearances this season. Between the between zero goals and zero assists. What what are you what are they even doing? Oh god. The goals are not coming from them. And the assists are not coming from them. Anthony is probably one of the most frustrating players to watch as well. He has a horrible attitude and so easy to hate. Gotta say it. He has a face that is so easy and a personality that is so easy. He may be the sweetest guy. I don't know, but I don't know the guy. I don't know the player and it's Manchester United. So yes, he's very easy to hate. Rashford got subbed in in the second half. Uh, he didn't make a huge difference. Not surprising. It's good that he's getting benched. Onana should be benched. He did make some important saves in this game, but sometimes you just want to shake him because it's like he like slathered oil all over his hands. He keeps dropping the ball or letting it slip when it's supposed to be an easy catch. Don't know what's going on there. Onana, really seriously, sort yourself out because th th those are easy things. Like the junior team, the B team, the whatever, the 10-year-old the goalie should be able to do what he's not able to do, right? So anyway, to, to summarize again, boring game, not much happened. Kept expecting a lot more, especially from Liverpool, because they were the much better team. They're much better offensively, but they just couldn't put that final product. They couldn't. Uh, they couldn't finish off the game, and honestly, we were all expecting a much better spectacle than this. So yeah, I guess it's, I'm glad it's over. I'm hoping the next meeting between the two will be a lot more exciting because this one certainly wasn't. touch on some other few games really quickly in the Premier League. You know, Arsenal beat Brighton 2-0. It's a very one-sided game. Brighton barely had any touches in the opposition box. 
Arsenal's attack was dominant as always. You know, Declan Rice so far has been a great addition to the midfield. He works really hard off the ball as well. Uh, and, and he's a good complement to Odegaard because Odegaard has a much more attacking profile, right? And Rice can kind of sit a little deeper. He can hold the midfield together. Saka had a good game. It's rare when he doesn't have a good game. But today, actually, Martinelli had a better game. He created five chances. He had a lot of crosses into the penalty box. So all in all, and even Havertz scored. So all in all, it was a good day at work for Arsenal. It's the first time Brighton doesn't score in a Premier League game this season, kind of like Liverpool. Um, A little bit similar to what I was saying about Liverpool and United. I think the fact that Brighton didn't score is less to do with Arsenal's defense, but more Brighton's weak offense. They had a, they could not build up any play today, uh, so which was actually really surprising. That the, the drop off that Brighton has experienced has been something to watch. Yeah, it, it really has. But congrats to Arsenal as they sit top of the table uh, uh, after 17 games, and City is, I believe, five points away. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, in, other, in other case, Aston Villa won. Newcastle beat Fulham 3-0. Uh, and Chelsea win another game uh, against the last team in the table. Uh, and obviously, Cole Palmer was instrumental again. He carries that freaking team. At this point, they should really donate like half their points to City because I don't know what Chelsea would be without Cole Palmer. Probably... 15th or 16th, at least in the league. Anyway, uh, prayers, hope, Luton's captain, Tom Lockyer, is uh, doing okay after he collapsed on the pitch from a cardiac arrest during the match against Bournemouth. Uh, uh, apparently, he is doing a lot better, so hopefully he makes a speedy recovery. So last game I want to touch on is Valencia versus Barcelona. They tied 1-1. Whew. At least it makes me feel good. Because this is in solidarity with City, right? Frankie de Jong is the guy I want to highlight because he is the consistent bright light on the Barcelona team. That flick that led to Felix's goal. Wow. He carries the midfield. He basically plays everywhere. His heat map is just red everywhere all the time. And if I were him, I would be really angry you know, that I keep putting on these great performances, but the rest of my team keeps letting me down. <sighs> Look, Rafinha is a real mixed bag. He's kind of like Dembele, but he's not as good as Dembele. He, he can be very dangerous. He can be a very dangerous threat when attacking, but he has really poor decision-making and he's just not technical. He's really bad 1v1 in front of the goal. For example, in the 81st, 82nd minute, he had a great pass from Torres. He had missed something else at 85th. He just has these moments where you're like, clearly this dude, something is not clicking for him because how is it that he could look so threatening when he's on the ball, but then when it comes to actually making a real difference, he chokes. So yeah, not, not a thing. I don't, I don't, I'm not bullish on Rafinha. Lewandowski. Oh, is a ghost, as always. He has scored one goal in the last six La Liga games. But at this point, obviously, he keeps starting. So I just give up. You just give up on Xavi benching him ever, right? 
Lewandowski had zero shots in the second half. He should have been subbed off. Mark Gui should have been subbed on. He may have scored. But yeah, this guy is pretty much useless at this point. The inefficiency of this team, they look even more threatening offensively than City do, right? They had 3.4 XG in this game, but they only managed to score one goal. I genuinely think that managers and players need to stop using the word deserve, right? I, we deserve to win. We were the better team, and so we deserve to win, even though we lost or even though we tied. There's no deserve to win anymore, right? Opponents are much stronger now. And these historically top elite, club, elite clubs can't just expect to win because they played, quote-unquote, better football, and they created more chances. Everyone deserves to win. The results are what they are, Right? So if you cannot put this game away and make the most of all your chances, you don't deserve to win. And the, you let the other team back in the game. And so the result is what the result is. And I just don't like the way that Xavi likes to whine about all this stuff and make excuses and talk about how we should, um, you know, protect and defend and support all these players and give them unlimited number of chances. I don't know. It's just not a good look. Sometimes you just got to admit we were not clinical. We were inefficient and something needs to change, right? It's pretty amazing how quickly this little bad stint as a manager taints your status as a football legend. Like Xavi is a football legend, especially, if, you know, in the Barcelona context. But because he hasn't been exceeding expectations recently as a manager, people all seem to have forgotten that. It's all about Xavi as a manager and how he's horrible, which is a bit sad. But we do have to remember that when we criticize Xavi, we're allowed to criticize him as a manager. It's nothing about him as a player, right? And he does seem more increasingly so out of his depth. But anyway, Brahim Diaz, though, Madrid plays today. played today. He scored a howler of a goal. What a sensational goal. He dribbled past all those defenders. Perfect finish. Bravo. Uh, looking forward to another week of football this week. Uh, City won't be in the Premier League, which is a bit sad. But, you know, there's a lot of good games coming up. Uh, and I was quite upset after the City tie. So I genuinely didn't enjoy the other games as much as I, I could have. Uh, but to be fair, none of the games this weekend were extremely exciting anyway so not that i miss much anyway hope you enjoyed this episode if you did please leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening from and i'll see you in the next one bye